What's your favorite scary movie? podcast where two 20-something LGBTs talk the horror movie of the week, real-life crime or events, and if it's worthy of being an honorary gay film. And yes, the titles are puns. I'm Elle. I'm Kate. Hello. Hello. So first of all, I know I said we'd have a guest this week, but that didn't work out and he'll be back on some other time. But we are here. We here for you. We are here to talk about 2020's The Invisible Man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, I now I literally wrote a whole ass like piece on this on Pop Culture Beast, which y'all should read. Um, yes. So I might be repeating myself if you've read that, but it's I, I talked specifically about abuse in this. So first of all, warning that there will be sp- I, we're gonna get into spoilers, right? We gotta. Oh yeah. We're gonna get into spoilers for this. I know it's a new film, but there will be spoilers, and there will be talk about like abuse and. Uh, suicide, and because that's just what the film deals with. Mm-hmm. So, just heads up. All right. Yeah. But I'm um, going in. So, El, since I've, I've been talking about this so much the past week, and even writing about it specifically, so are there? Do you want to go first, talking about saying anything about this? Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, quick synopsis uh, about the film. Uh, it's about this woman who's trying to get away from her abusive. Either I don't know if they ever clarify if it's a boyfriend or husband, but. Uh, trying to get out of this abusive relationship, and then apparently uh, he kills himself after she escapes, but then she believes that he's actually still following her and that he's made himself a way to be invisible uh, and just drive her insane, pretty much, to, like, control her and be the only one that, like, she can rely only on him kind of thing Mm -hmm. going on. So, But I saw this in the theater, and I think there was... It was during a... Uh, afternoon when it was like a Sunday afternoon so there was like three other people in the theater with me (laughs) and um, I was close enough to them that every time something happened I heard the lady go oh my god oh my god (laughs) she was much older than me um, so it was very entertaining to have that commentary going on at the same time Um, but I wish uh, you had a packed house I know I wish so much I had seen it in a packed house Uh, but it was so good like I was just Wait, and the whole, the whole time I was just like, yes, 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 there's more. I just I just love the <laughs> shit out of this movie so much. It's so good. And the the casting choices were excellent, of course. Uh, and I just, Elizabeth Moss just does an amazing job, and I'm just so proud of Lee Wanell. Uh, for him. If, Lee, if <laughs> like, you ever listen to this, uh, proud of so, you. Lee, if you're listening. Like, he... Like, watching this, he's he's really... I mean, I love his first two movies, too, as director-wise, but he's, like... He's really found his voice as a director with this one. And especially, yeah. like, there's, like, parts of this... The way he films action sequences, specifically, where you're like, oh, this is a Lee Winnell film. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's very, very likely to upgrade. Like, with... With Insidious, you know, he was emulating James Wan's style because it was part of a franchise. And mm-hmm. I think he even talked about this. He's like, if you're making, like, the fourth installation of a horror movie, you're not going to be like, all right, I want to film this in black and white and it's going to be in Polish. It's like, no. no, you have to do it to the style. <laughs> but so, like, Upgrade was his first shot at that. And then this one is just, like, him, like just three movies. And he's, like, he's found it. I don't know. And and I dig what he's doing. Yes. And, <laughs> first of all. And, yeah, Elizabeth Moss... This, I don't watch Handmaid's Tale, but apparently she de- her character in that deals with abusive shitheads too and stuff. Yeah. And so this is like you know, she like they asked her like what was harder the like the um, emotional stuff or the physical stuff in this because she there's a lot of physicality to this role like yeah. fights with an invisible man and stuff and she's like oh I got the emotional stuff down that's fine it's yeah it's the physical <laughs> stuff that was harder she's like mm. I got it piece of cake piece of cake <laughs> just acting my ass off like. She's so good in this. She, she uh, And I know that she talked in interviews about, like, collaborating with, with Lee a lot. Mm-hmm. On the, like, uh, the, he had already written the script, but, like, breaking down each scene and, like, taking apart, like, 
oh, well, I wouldn't say this or this, because, like, he wanted a woman's perspective from it. Yeah. Obviously, he couldn't write a woman's perspective of abuse. And that, like, that's literally what we're talking about. That's all we're asking about, in, like, in terms of collaboration. Mm-hmm. Where if, like, you're a man, and especially, like, a writer-director like him, obviously he's not going to bring in a co-writer or something. But just even just collaborating with your female actress and taking the time and striking from your work what needs to be struck because I also know like based on what Lynn Shay says about working with him that he's very strict about saying his lines perfectly and like you know he's like he's the kind of writer that's like everything I write in that script is for a reason yeah so just knowing that he omitted stuff from that script that was finished because of her input I like really respect yeah I like I dig that and the final product is just like, you can tell. And you can tell he did his research a lot because this is about an abuse victim. And I was really curious about what that research was like because he researches everything he does. Mm-hmm. But he went, he talked, did I talk about this last week? I apologize. I don't I remember. So you can just. Uh, who, who fucking knows? Fuck but it. he, like, he talked to, like, counselors at, like, Los Angeles women's shelters and stuff mm-hmm. who, like, that's their job is dealing with, with women who have dealt with and escaped abusive relationships. And, like, that's why so much of this is just so fucking spot on and like he got it all so right like oh yeah and just it it makes the perfect like metaphor like using the invisible man as a metaphor for gaslighting and everything it just yes i the second they announced it i knew i was like oh chef's kiss he found it and i was (laughs) right and and he was right and but let's we'll we'll get a little bit about into all of this like uh, this is from the, I, not to brag, but I went to a Q&A, <laughs> uh, talking about this, because they, like, they asked him, like, how he got, like, how this started, and, he, like, this wasn't something that he came to Blumhouse with, like, I have to do this. Yeah. Like, they were, basically, while he was editing Upgrade and everything, eventually, like, Jason Blum or someone from Blumhouse would be like, well, what about this Universal Monster? How would you do this? Just, like, fucking around. He's like, I don't know. I'll do this. It's kind of like that, um... That whitest kids you know sketch or something from <laughs> movie pitches and stuff. Uh, um, and they asked him how he would do Invisible Man, just theoretically. And, like, he kind of pulled it out of his ass. But on the spot, he's like, well, I would make it about the victim. Because he's like, how do you make this scary? Yeah. You, If you're making the protagonist... The, if you're making the Invisible Man your main character, he's not going to be scary. There's no mystery to it. So yeah. let's make it from the victim. And that naturally evolved into the themes of abuse and everything, but he never set out being like, I gotta make a Me Too movie. Do you know what I mean? No, like, yeah. 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 I'm just, <laughs> I'm just relaying what I heard no, from yeah. the mouths of base. Yeah. yeah, but it, it just, oh, it makes perfect sense, you know? Like, because, you know, first of all, like, at, at first, they, they obviously believe her about the abuse, and that's good to see, first yes. of all, too, the people, her friend and her sister... Because they didn't know anything about it. Yeah. You know, she didn't tell anyone until after the fact and that she really has to open up to them when she feels that she's safe and they're they're supportive of her. But what what you start to see that parallels what abuse victims feel when people don't believe them is that they don't believe her when she says that that um what's his name? Adrian. <laughs> Adrian that Adrian is alive and that he is invisible and torturing her, they're like, Okay, well that doesn't Make sense. They're like, oh, he's dead though. Like, I have, I he's have a body to prove it and all that stuff. Yeah, his creepy brother said he's dead. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, fun fact. So Lee said that that the actor that played uh, Adrian's brother, he said that he like showed him videos of the Trump kids to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, channel this, and he's like, got it. <laughs> oh my god. Ah, oh, incredible. <laughs> Incredible. We also have to talk about Aldous Hodge for everyone. <laughs> uh. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but I also really <laughs> liked in uh, The Invisible Man, like, the shots where he would just pan to, like, this emptiness, yeah. and then it would just pan back to her. And I was like, that really freaked me out, and I don't know why that freaked me out. Yeah, he's, like, fucking with you. Because, you know, sometimes he could be there. Like, they establish it from, like, the first scene, that that kind of panning to nothing. Yeah. Is something there right now? Like it's I, brilliant. I was just like sitting there, real tense, like, "Oh Jesus, don't do this to me already." <laughs> I um, am just sitting here, <laughs> sitting here. Um, I also really appreciate that there wasn't any kind of like flashbacks or any kind of like depiction of the yes. stuff she went through. It was just pure like mm-hmm. 
her body language and like her emotions and the things that she was telling them about you know how he was controlling her and how it started off as smaller stuff and then it got more and more and more you know controlling Mm -hmm. um and then like the whole when when it was revealed that she was pregnant and i was like oh another way to control her is like by trapping her in this with like you know i'm not gonna kill you but i'll kill your friends so that way it's like only one you can rely on is me and also because you have my kids so and and he always thought of it as like his kids so it's like ah gross uh, yeah, it's all, like, it's all, like, textbook stuff that abusers do, like, isolating you from your, like, sub- people that you care care about in your support system and everything so that you have to rely on that person, whether it's emotionally or financially, like, mm-hmm. um, and going back to, yeah, like, this could have so easily been, because, like, exploitative and it wasn't. Yeah. Because of the choice to not have any flashbacks. Like, it's all in her performance and even just her explaining it, you see... You see, the flashback is really just in her retelling it. Yeah. And in the and her actions. And, like, you know, like she's literally afraid to even go out and get the mail. Like, that speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I really respect how he did it. It it, it really resonated with me. I don't even want to go, like, I, read, read my piece on pop culture beats <laughs> if you want, if you want me to get personal. Read it. Like, read it. Yeah. Read it and wait, y'all. And I also, um... This pointed out, I can't remember what article I read, but it's, like, it was really nice to have it pointed out, like, there is an invisible man, this is not just in her mind, because, like, yes. that could have been so exploitative for, you know, mm-hmm. just women uh, in general in movies, and, like, just showing it through, like, something that's not through her perspective, like, the knife disappearing off the counter, and the, you know, the stove turning up and stuff like that. And the, and the restaurant scene, the fucking restaurant scene. Bro! Bro! We lost our minds. And I've seen this three times. Like, every time I listened for the audience's reaction to that. That was the part where I told you, like, stock sound footage of gasping! <gasps> <gasps> yeah. I did not Bro, see that coming, like, know. at all. Because... I re- I None rewatched I rewatched the trailer and I was like holy shit half this footage wasn't even in the film so I, like they really know, threw right? me off <laughs> like oh. that's the brilliant kind of because like <laughs> jump scares are cheap you know yeah. like the like the real scares come from like like I kind of th- that that thing reminded me of the in- big insidious jump scare because that's also just happening in the oh, middle of a scene yeah. of two people talking in broad daylight mm-hmm. like that's that's what that was that's truly shocking when you're because, like, when she's walking around the house, walking around the attic, or, you know, creepy attic, stuff like that, yeah. like, it sets the atmosphere of, oh, something scary is gonna happen. But when she's just talking and opening up to her sister, and she's finally believing her about all, it's like, that's, BAM! And in a public place! <laughs> yeah, like, and, oh my god. Audacity! <laughs> what a flex, what a flex. Oh my god. There was something else I wanted to say, and I totally forgot. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the part where she, uh was in the attic and like Bruh. he texts you know surprise to like surprise. the phone like he oh knew God. exactly what she was gonna do and like just w- go up into the attic i'm like she's got a lot more nerves of steel because like if i heard that i'd be like i'm getting out of the house i gotta go <laughs> you gotta go oh and when she yeah, when she spilled the paint on him like not gonna mm-hmm. lie at first i was like what the fuck happened to the cg and then i saw how the suit was and i was like okay that makes more sense. <laughs> Why are there holes? What is this That's weird fine. honeycomb oh, yeah. texture Let's going on? Let's talk about the suit, man. Let's talk about the suit. The fucking suit. Yeah. I know that, yeah, Lee said that he wanted to stray from the whole, like, serum thing. Oh, yeah. And I like it because, like, the, it's, I guess it's implied in, like, the original Visible Man that the serum is kind of what drives him mad and makes him a, a dick. Yeah. But in this, it's, like, it's a dick with a suit. That's yeah. All, like, and that's what's scary is, like, when when someone like that has the power and the knowledge and, like, they use it for bad instead of good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, it, it's so cool. I, <laughs> I, Lee must have a thing about technology because this is an upgrade... He likes his technology. Tech, he likes his technology, man. The horror of technology and what it can be used for. Um, and, and like, also, I like that he didn't try to uh, do go into, into any kind of, like, detail. Like, he let the stuff speak for himself. And, you know, because yeah. Adrian's, like, 
a huge famous person in the optics field and he's really fucking smart so like if he was able to create this you know that's it it's like we're not going into detail it's like you can believe yeah. that he could create something like this because of all because of his look if you saw his house it's obviously he got he got bank so he's pretty good at what he does <laughs> uh, Oh my god, I would never live in a house like that. All those huge-ass windows? No, thank you. No, thank you. The, the, the bed is in the middle of the room and, like, not against any wall, so that should be, like, sign number one. That's, that's how you know he's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> Girl, run. <laughs> you gotta go. And, and the dog, too, it's, like, like it's, it's hinted Aww. that, like, he hurts the dog, the shock collar and shit that's yeah, on the dog. Like, yeah. Like, this piece of shit, I was like, I saw it, and I was like, okay, yeah, double time to murder this bastard. Oh, I'm so glad she took the dog at the end. I know, right? Oh, that, that dog obviously loved her, and I was just like, thank God. Um, Are we ready to talk about the ending? Or <laughs> the ending. Oh, my God. Yeah ending is the most satisfying that I have been in a long time. I was like, and yes, like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad I saw it with the audience that I saw it at first, because this was like, it's just all a bunch of fucking nerds there to see an early, like, we waited in line for two hours to see this, so yeah. we got pumped. And by the time that happened, like, everyone literally cheered. We were, like, we were screaming. I did not expect any of that. Because, like, people that think We've obviously given a lot away, but anyone that thinks that they give the whole movie away in the trailer, they don't. They do not. At all. They don't. And it, and you might think, oh, well, like, is it too long or should the movie have ended? It's like, no, they, I think we, they earned this. Mm-hmm. And this is the most satisfying conclusion that you could give. Yes. Yes. It, it was definitely cathartic for me to watch, um... And her performance, but that's where she goes, like, full gone girl. Like, she, <laughs> the, fo- the phone call. The phone call. Or as call. soon as she's out of the camera frame, she just... She just click. sits down like, surprise. <laughs> just like, like hello. Surprise. Oh, my Love her. God. And his, his, uh, Oliver, what's his fuck's performance? Yeah. I didn't, I don't have any notes in front of me. I didn't write down names. That's I, Okay. <laughs> Oliver, they call him Ollie in all the interviews. They got the, the Invisible Man. So he really gets one scene, minus the beginning, where he, like, is asleep and then smashes a car window. Yeah. He really only gets one scene not not as the Invisible Man. Yeah. And, oh, kills it. Like <laughs> He's so he's creepy. So, he's so creepy and so, but you can also see how he gets away with all of this shit because mm-hmm. he's like playing the playing the part of the innocent victim and oh I was the victim all along you're you're not the you don't get it and and the whole you know yeah you get me more than anyone you need me we need that whole thing and his his way of like because it's what she's trying to get a confession from him yeah. and he knows that and like he's one step ahead of her but she's two steps ahead of him oh because yes. he does you know because she's like Oh, I just need to hear it from you. And he knows, she, they both know he's not going to do that. But he finds his way of doing it with the surprise thing. And I'm like, oh, like at that point, it's like, okay, yeah, get his ass. Get him. We, we already knew. Like, I love how sure she is of it the whole time. Yeah. Like, it's never a question. Like, she knows. Yeah. That's what, oh, that's what I wanted to say way back when. It's like, we talked about it, but like. It's such a fucking trope in horror now about women's sanity and everything. Yeah. Like, mental illness. And, like, I feel like at that point or at some point, maybe, like, when the, the mask came off and it was the brother or yeah. something. Or even... Well, yeah, like, it would have been... Or not with that specifically, but if stuff had played out differently and they wanted to keep it open-ended, it would have been, like, at the end, like, a flashback of, oh, no, that wasn't... That didn't happen that way. You're crazy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's, yeah. It fucking it would be such a disservice to her. So I'm I yeah just love everything of how this all played out and good for her. Good for her. <laughs> and good for her buddy James being like, sounds like he killed himself. Yeah, and it's like it's all caught on like surveillance camera. Yeah, which makes it even better because it's like, it, it does it does look like he killed himself. Um, a bit weirdly, but like how else you can explain it? Um. Because as far as, you know, the, the, everybody knows, there was all, the only one, the one suit. Um, and yeah, she's got she the other one hiding suit. in her bag, and it's like, right. let's go. Um, yeah, I just, I really appreciate that 
you know, after uh, it was revealed, oh, it was just Tom that was, like, doing it. And she's like, no, it was him. Like, she, it's like she yeah. knows it was him because she knows exactly the kind of things that he would do. Um, yeah. And then he tries to concoct this whole bullshit story, and she's, like, not falling for it. And I'm like, yes! I'm like, nah uh nah uh Yeah. Not today. <laughs> good for her. Oh, God. That's all I can say. It's just good for her. It's so nice to have, like, she went through so much emotional turmoil for so long, mm-hmm. and to be able to have this freedom, like, it's so cathartic and so oh, good. I, like cried at the ending that yes. last shot you can just feel the the weight off of her shoulders uh, the soundtrack is... at the end i was just like yes, yes. just loving oh it so much um so i went back and looked and there's actually an entire wikipedia page that's about the invisible man uh oh, wig. it's so popular and uh, <laughs> the kids love it. The kids are loving it. Uh, and I got LASIK this past week, so I had to print out all my stuff <laughs> and blow it up real big because I can't really see right now. So if I stumble over some stuff, I'm sorry about that. Um, but hopefully I can read it. So uh, it all started in 1897, the original novel about a man who creates a way to change uh, the body's refractive index to that of air so that it neither absorbs nor reflects light, which would make you invisible. And then as he struggles to, like, stay hidden and pay up on the rent uh, of the place he is staying, he starts stealing and eventually starts committing murder uh, before he has killed himself. Uh, And then the first film adaption, of course, is 1993, uh, directed by James Whale. God bless. uh, (laughs) The lead role played by uh, Claude Rains, and it it would spawn a bunch of sequels uh the invisible man returns with vincent price as the invisible man uh the invisible woman in 1940 played by virginia bruce the invisible agent in 1942 and the invisible man's revenge in 1944 which were both played by john hall uh but the roles were different uh there was even uh the lovely abbott and costello meet the invisible man in 1951 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and well, you watched all of these right or... i watched the i watched all the sequels yes um wow. the, and elizabeth banks is making a invisible woman uh movie and she's uh she's writing yeah, she producing is. and uh directing she's starring in it i know that much too um she's starring in it too yeah oh fuck yeah <laughs> i love elizabeth banks good for her good for her <laughs> Um, and Vincent Price provided the Invisible Man's voice at the end of the film Abbott and Costello Mm. Meet Frankenstein. Uh, (laughs) there was also a 1958 TV series that ran for two seasons called The Invisible Man, and it centered on espionage, and it was created by Ralph Smart. Uh, The Amazing Transparent Man, original, uh, Mm. in 1960 science fiction (laughs) crime thriller about an invisible safe cracker. Uh, there was also, like, this is just TV shit. I even got to the second media part. Uh, there was also a uh, Mad Monster Party, question mark, 1967. Yes. Which included uh, the Invisible Man that was voiced by Alan Swift. Uh, Why do you say question mark? Because it you literally, the, the title, it says Mad Monster Party, and then, like, oh. the question mark. <laughs> John Mulaney Bull. Okay, I thought you just, like, didn't know what it was. Question mark? Uh, no, it, yeah, literally question marks part of it. I'm just like, interesting choice. Uh, and there was also a uh, film called Sebash Satayam, which was a uh, Telugu film starring Krishna uh, that was created in 1969. Uh, and that was, uh, it's a, it stands alongside uh, Hindi and English as one of the few languages with primary primary official language status in more than one Indian state. Uh, there's Mad, Mad, Mad Monster, 1972, mm-hmm. which was a semi-prequel to Mad Monster Party, uh, first showed as an episode of the Saturday morning anthology TV series, the ABC Saturday Superstar movie, which includes The Invisible Man, who was also done by Alan Swift. He was pretty popular for this role. Uh, but in this, t- but this time, he's a married man uh, named Claude. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, he has an invisible wife hey. uh, named Nagatha. <laughs> this is not my invisible wife. <laughs> and an invisible son named Ghoul. Uh, what? And he uh, even has an invisible dog named Godlam. <laughs> not, not kidding. Uh, there's the invisible man in 1975 with the lead using his abilities for good. Uh, Daniel Weston uh, is the name of the 
character. He's played by David McCollum, who, if you watch NCIS, that's the guy. That's the only thing I know him from, anyways. Uh, <laughs> he turns himself invisible and destroys the machinery so that the company he was working for couldn't sell it to the military. Uh, however, he, yeah. he remains permanently invisible uh, in the series following he and his wife, Kate, taken on special missions. It's, it's you. For the government while trying to find a means to make him visible again. Uh, Jim I and, love that. Yeah, man, I gotta watch that. <laughs> Shit. Uh, Gemini Man in 1976, starring Ben Murphy as Agent Sam Casey, who is turned invisible after being exposed to radiation following an explosion of a fallen satellite using a watch-like DNA stabilizer. He is able to regain his visibility and turn invisible again for brief periods of time that lasted for one season. Uh, the Invisible Woman, 1983, was a TV movie pilot for a prospective comedy series with Bob Denver that never made it off the ground. Uh, the Russian Invisible Man, uh, called Chelovek Nevadimka, uh, 1977, was a Soviet-made-for-TV version directed by Gleb Selyanin and starring Rostislav Katansky as Griffin. Another version was made in 1984 that was directed by Alexander Saharov with Andrei Karatevat. Now, I can't fucking read because I can't fucking see. Uh, in this one, Griffin is shown <laughs> as a talented scientist misunderstood by his contemporaries and Kent, who is played by Romaldus Romanoskas. Eh, That's a long-ass name. Uh, as a vicious person who wanted to become ruler of the world with Griffin's help, uh, when Griffin refused, Kemp did all his best to kill him and eventually succeeded. Uh, it was unknown to the Western world because it had a violation of H.G. Wells' copyright and was not allowed to be outside of Russia. There was the 1984's Invisible Man. It was a TV adaption in a six parts uh, on BBC One with Pip uh, as Donahue as Griffin and David Gwillem as Kemp. The Amazon Woman on the Moon, 1987. Yes! <laughs> this was a comedy. I told you about this. Yeah, yeah. It's so great. Uh, it was a comedy anthology film featuring a spoof titled Son of the Invisible Man, starring Ed Bigley Jr., uh, where the son believes he's invisible, but he is not. Uh, and he creates an awkward situation when he confidently undresses in front of everybody. <laughs> Uh, the comic strip it's great. 1987 TV series uh, had a segment titled Mind Mini Monsters that showed the Invisible Kid named Blanco, son of the Invisible Man. Uh, the Invisible Kid 1988 film starring Jay Underwood and Cheyenne Phillips was a teen accidentally discovered a formula that renders himself and his friends invisible. Uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man 1992, a uh, modernized version starring Chevy Chase. Uh, a man who is accidentally made invisible and is in hunted by a government agent who wishes to use him as a weapon. Uh, one of the more recent ones of the early year of 2000 starring Kevin Bacon, Hollow Man, directed by Paul Verhoeven. 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 The film spawned a director of showgirls. Yeah. <laughs> God, I forget that. Uh, the film spawned a direct-to-video sequel in 2006 called The In Hollow Man 2 with Christian Slater as Griffin uh, and is directed by <laughs> Claudio Fa. Uh, the Invisible Man from 2000 to 2002 was a sci-fi channel TV series. Uh, Darian Fox, who is uh, played by Vincent Ventresca, is a convicted burglar who is offered freedom uh, if he agrees to participate in a secret government project directed by his brother and funded by a secret government agency. Invisibility is achieved by implanting a synthetic land in his brain that secretes uh, quicksilver, quote, uh, a substance that coats his body and renders him invisible, and he can even control which parts of his body are invisible rather than it being all or nothing. Uh, the gland is subtly sabotaged in production with quicksilver uh, leaking into the host's brain, causing quicksilver madness, a state of mental instability in which the host becomes violent and dangerous unless given access to a regular counteragent. Uh, there is The Invisible Man 2005, an animated TV series produced by Moonscoop loosely based on the book. Uh, and then the latest one was Our Man's Film, of course. Yeah, boy. And then uh, unknown release date for The Invisible Woman uh, that's in development by Elizabeth Danks, who's going to direct, produce, and star in it. 
So there was also a stage adaption of The Invisible Man done by Ken Hill in 1991. Uh, it played in the West End in 1993. Uh, it was revived in November of 2010 and ran until February 2011 again. There was the uh, Radio Tales that did a adaption of The Invisible Man in 2001 for National Public Radio, and 2017's Big Finish Productions adaption of The Invisible Man with a full cast starring John Hurt as Griffin. So, that's just the TV and media stuff. Wow. So now we get to go into the pop culture of the whole thing. Oh my god. So I want to do. I want to direct a play of the Invisible Man. Oh. Hell yeah, let's do it. Um, the character of the Invisible Man uh, was given the full name Holly Griffin. Appears in the graphic novel The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen by Alan Moore. Yes. So in the film adaptation, he is replaced with a different character named Rodney Skinner, and instead of being the inventor of the formula, he is a thief who steals it. The film novelization reveals that the inventor was Holly Griffin. Uh, and Skinner was especially created for the film because of copyright issues regarding the 1933 Universal film. Uh, Skinner, Skinner is also portrayed as a more cheerful and good-natured character, and unlike Griffin, ultimately becomes the savior rather than the betrayer to the League. Uh, in the television series Sanctuary, a character named Nigel Griffin was one of the five originals, I guess, uh, a team of scientists who injected themselves with a blood serum and gained special abilities. His ability was to make himself transparent at will, though it did not work on clothing. Oops. Uh, it is passed down to his descendants, including uh, Clara Griffin, who was played by Christine Chatelain. And in 2009, a Canadian cartoonist, Jeff Lemire, released an original graphic novel for DC Comics slash Vertigo titled The Nobody. The story was inspired by The Invisible Man with John Griffin as The Invisible Man. There are also many other allusions to the book. If you've watched the original Batman the Animated Series, uh, there was an episode called See No Evil where Batman confronts a criminal whose experimental plastic suit renders him invisible, but it also affects his sanity. And in 2008, the creative team of Doug Mowich and Kelly Jones created a limited series called Batman the Unseen. It features Batman fighting against the Invisible Man. The famous cartoon series Tom and Jerry produced an episode in 1947 titled The Invisible Mouse, parroting the book written by Wells. And in a later episode, The Vanishing Duck in 1958, Jerry and his friend Quackers turned themselves invisible using <laughs> vanishing cream and torment Tom, who later turns himself invisible. I remember that episode when it played on TV. <laughs> that was one of my favorites. And then there's one more in a 1965 short of feline bondage. Jerry is given a magic potion by his fairy godmother that turns him invisible so he can bedevil Tom. <laughs> a feline bondage? <laughs> a feline bondage. Stop! The Invisible Man is Monster in My Pocket number 46 in the comic book series. He was allied with the good monsters, and in the animated special, he was rechristened Dr. Henry da Davenport and becomes leader of the good monsters. Castlevania often has enemies and bosses that refer to old literature and films, and in Castlevania Portrait of Ruin, the Invisible Man makes an appearance as an enemy that dwells in the sewers. His clothes, before he discards them to stock players unseen, refers the references those in the novel The Invisible Man. Uh, he wears a long, thick, uh, tall-collared tall coat, gloves, and a wide-brimmed hat. He also dies in a similar fashion. <laughs> Uh, in the book The Right Three by Blue Balliot, the Invisible Man played an important part in the story. Uh, the one-shot comic Van Helsing from Beneath the Room Morgue, which presents Van Helsing and Dr. Moreau. There is a monster created by Dr. Moreau that is invisible. Van Helsing finds the papers detailing the invisibility cure and remembers something about an Englishman who turned invisible in West Sussex. And in the 1970s, the Invisible Man appeared as a mascot in television commercials for Scotch Magic Transparente. <laughs> oh, H.G. Wells is... Gotta sell that tape. <laughs> He's rolling in his grave. In an October 17, 1970 episode of Josie and the Pussycats, X marks the spot. The band tries to protect a professor from his invisible assistant. Uh, the British punk band Generation X released a song called The Invisible Man on their 1978 de debut album Generation X. Uh, the British 
rock band Queen released a song called The Invisible Man as one of their singles from their 1989 album, The Miracle. Uh, another British rock band called uh, Marillion also has a song called The Invisible Man. This track opens the album Marbles, released in 2004. In the anime series Naruto, the second... <laughs> uh, the second... Kage, I don't remember how to spell that, uh, is probably based on Griffin, the main character of the Invisible Man, due to his combination of bandage-covering appearance and the invisibility technique he uses to avoid being spotted. In the Monster High media, including video games and web animations, there is a teacher named Mr. Ware who dresses in the Invisible Man's bandages, trench coats, and gloves. However, he usually wears a beret and sunglasses as he is the drama teacher. <laughs> That's my future. <laughs> <laughs> he is confirmed to be invisible beneath these coverings on more than one occasion where his sleeves are shown bunched up to reveal invisible limbs. He also seems to have the ability to extend his invisibility, making his clothing disappear as well. In addition to Mr. Weir in the primary Monster High uh, line in the tie-in novels by Lizzie Harrison, there's a teenage boy named Billy Faden, jokingly called Invisibility. In reference to the teenage main characters being the children of the universal monsters and other historical monsters, quotation, it is mentioned repeatedly that he is usually naked, otherwise he would just look like floating clothing. In the third novel, a friend attempts to use modern cosmetics to make him visible with limited success, but he ultimately goes back to being invisible once these techniques fail in the public setting. Uh, in Team Fortress 2, a set of clothing is wearable by the spy called the Invisible Rogue, which is based on the novel. In Donald E. Westlake's Smoke, uh, career thief Freddie Noon is turned invisible by an attempted cure for cancer by two smoking researchers. The book pays homage to aspects of the Invisible Man by having Noon have to struggle with exposure to the elements and having to starve himself to avoid bolses of undigested food hovering in the air. So I guess he's like completely... Invisible all the way through, not just covering. Uh, the web series called The Invisible Man, based on H.G. Wells' novel, premiered in 2014. The episodes were set in a modern American context and gave the protagonist a backstory which included an estranged wife who had been the victim of domestic abuse. The series won a variety of awards at L.A. Webfest, Austin Webfest, D.C. Webfest, and more. So, you can see just how popular the invisible man is in social media and in uh pop culture as well so <laughs> yeah all that you you putting on shades after that whole thing <laughs> i look like no one can see it i look but... like the invisible man right now <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot man i know i'm just thinking about how amazon women on the moon was brave enough to acknowledge the fact that, like, in the Claude Rains Invisible Man, like, his dick is out. Like, he's <laughs> naked. And Lee found a way around that with the whole suit. God bless him. <laughs> God. It's a lot of Invisible Men. And, like, in, in the uh, original Invisible Woman film, of course this is never mentioned in any of the other sequels that were made from the Invisible Man, but every time that they're like, oh, she's invisible, and they're like, is she wearing any clothing? Or, like, she must not be wearing clothing or something like that. Every fucking oh time. I was like, we get it. She's naked. Like fucking Fantastic Four. Wait, did you talk about that? No. <laughs> in the Fantastic Four movie where she has to, like, strip. And I'm like, ooh. Mm, no. Don't like that. Mm. I don't like that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so is this, uh, is the Invisible Man 2020 gay? Do you want to talk about that? No. No? <laughs> I mean, I, li I like to think her sister's a dyke, but that's just a personal <laughs> She's got BDE, big dyke energy. Um, but other than that, no, I mean, that's not what this is about. No. Um, Unfortunately. But this, this definitely covered an issue that is also like, near and dear to me, and, like, that's where the catharsis comes from, and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you didn't see anything, did you? <laughs> I did not, no. Um, there wasn't really any romance at all in this film. No, that's so. not what this is for. I'm sure, I'm... Not to make assumptions, but I'm sure, like, gay men will love Aldous Hodge in that tank top. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, so, so I was like, like, oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> 
good good for them. <laughs> and like like not not to not to dunk on Lee, but he's not the greatest <laughs> romance writer. Ever. So I was like, he does great. If you're referring to the scene in Upgrade, you're correct. <laughs> I am. <laughs> oh, God bless him. Hey, we we all got our strong suits and our weak points. Like I feel you, man. I can't really write romance for shit. So like I totally I I feel you like 100. percent And like yeah. I don't know what happened between Upgrade and The Invisible Man. Like like just the when I just watch that just like from Upgrade and then I watch Invisible Man, I'm just like the jump is huge for it just seems to me like i feel yeah. like he really got where he wanted to be you yeah. know and like he found his footing yeah and i'm just i'm just so happy and i just i loved the shots of the camera like so much Cause, and the entire film like there wasn't a spot where i was like they could have taken this out or like anything like that it like it all yeah. had purpose yeah. i was mm-hmm. so happy about it so much you just it, it's nice to feel like to feel like you're in good hands when you're watching something, because a lot of times I don't know, not to be old man yells at Cloud, but <laughs> in this day and age you don't feel that way, and like yeah. sometimes you can have fun. Like I go to see Fantasy Island and I have a great time, mm-hmm. but this is a whole different ball game. And I love how Blumhouse is doing both. <laughs> Just like, we're gonna give you garbage, and we're also gonna give you something that you want to write an entire think piece about about spousal abuse. You're yeah. like, oh fuck, okay. <laughs> The two genders. <laughs> the two genders. <laughs> Both Blumhouse related. Yeah. All the this this would be a good um double feature. It'd be a heavy double feature, but a good double feature with actually with Blumhouse's into the dark thing, the My Valentine that Ooh. I talked about on here. Yeah. That that also gets a lot right in with yeah, like good shit. Um so just a little plug for that again. I love Aww. I love the scene in the hospital uh, where uh, the security guards are kind of coming out, and then you see that one <gasps> yes. scene where it like goes like the guy goes to the ground, and I was like, upgrade shot, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like that that part's in the trailer. I'm like, yeah, upgrade, upgrade. I was like, I uh, see you, Leah. See you. Yes, I love that shot I, so much. I love how as more and more just as funny to watching more and more guards come in, but I love how they are like <laughs> so confused, <laughs> like they just see. Like what? bodies and like what the fuck and she's just lying on the floor over there and she's like he's behind you and it's just he's like what the fuck him. is going on yeah the timing of that is so cool he's behind you he looks and he's invisible where glitch and he's you can see him again yeah all the the glitching was really cool too i loved yeah, it oh my god just... i can't wait to watch this again man i feel i'm, just, I'm <laughs> so i uh, it's just so good like I like I know it's probably not gonna really get any kind of like awards at all because you know the industry be like that. But, uh, was, Why would we reward genre films? <laughs> I was like best picture like, win, except for like once in a blue moon, like at the very least. Yeah, but, like her Elizabeth Moss's performance specifically. Like I I already called it that, and other people are saying it too that this is like the Dapina Nyong'o performance of the year in horror. Ooh, where we're just like yes. She should have been nominated for us, but that's exactly that's, what I'm saying. That's everybody's yeah, yeah. opinion, <laughs> and we are that's right. That's um, true. We should say it. Just God, it, it's it's just so suspenseful, and like there really wasn't many jump scares, but it felt like the like many like you know when you go see like a horror movie and there's like so many jump scares and you're like okay yeah, um, but like the ones that happened, it felt like they had almost purpose to them or they like they, they were did. the right they... ones to have so i was because like because it drove yeah. the plot yeah and, like you're just feeling that dread the entire time because you're with cecilia the whole time and you're in her <laughs> mindset and like there there is no room for resting or feeling relieved at any point and so that's yeah. why it it just goes hand in hand like oh. when she kicked the dog bowl at the beginning i was just like oh <gasps> No, no, no. <laughs> just yeah. like it really it is loud. That was some loud. I like she, she like that she like did the little swirl with the drink, just like yeah, I drugged the shit out of him. Good, let's go. <laughs> and I love the callback she had. They had too, like at the beginning when she had her bag secreted away in the closet, and then she yeah. uses it again for the invisible suit. And it's like there's Chekhov's gun, and she fucking used it. She fired it. Yeah, there's so many little callbacks that just like 
Or set up to make you feel smart for noticing, or even, like, even just like the fire extinguisher, like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, oh my god, um, I watched some of the, uh, behind the scenes where they were just kind of like shooting, Ooh. you know, um, and they had like, you know, the person in green screen, and yeah. you know, I don't know if it was actually Elizabeth Moss, but they had either her or her stunt double on these wires when they threw her across the table, I think um, that was her. Like, I know that they talked oh, about wow. she wanted to do a lot of, or, like, Lee asked how much she was willing to do, and she's like, fuck it. Yeah. You know? like, I'm sure she, she yes. definitely had a stunt double still, but I know that she yeah. tried to do as much as she could. Mm-hmm. And that's all uh, one shot. It had to be her in that one. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I love seeing the little things of leaving, like, come in here and just, like, just talking. And his little sweater was so cute. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> It's so, it's just so great. I would, I'd love to just even, just, like, just watch him do, like, a day of filming for a film, you know, and just stuff like that, like, directing a film. Just, like, I just would love to see it. You'll have to fly to Australia. You gotta fly, like, I still, I thought this was gonna be in Australia at first, but then it was like, oh, California, hi! Um, San Francisco. Yeah, you just, you Uh, go film in Australia, and then you get some... Some, like, foot- footage shots overhead of whatever city you want it to be set in, and then you save on your budget. <laughs> like, that's why he gets to make, like... Like, he knows how to work with a budget, and that's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. God, I just keep going back to the scene in the attic, because, Ooh. like, storing the knife in, like, the plastic bag, and yeah. then just, like, there's her architecture stuff... And, like, he's, he also, like, he drugged her, too, without her knowing. And, like, how fucking scary is, like, and especially because he's, it's not only is he somebody that she's trying to escape from, but now that he has made himself invisible, he is driving her, uh, to a point of nobody believing her, everyone turning against her, um, which was his whole, like, deal, and Mm -hmm. just, ugh, sky (laughs) fight him bad man (laughs) bad man and like he he does such a good job of it so i would definitely love to see him in more like bad guy roles (laughs) uh i all i remember he's that he's from uh haunting of hill house uh that's i remember i was like oh okay we got this guy yeah we got him in um so (laughs) i just i super enjoyed it um absolutely want to see it again. I would love to see it with a lot more people in the theater, hopefully. <laughs> if I can convince my mom to go see this, I will definitely be going I'm with like my family. I'm, like, bringing everyone I know to this. I'm like, oh, you haven't seen Invincible Man yet, huh? <laughs> she's, like, she's like, is it scary? I'm like, well, there's, like, a couple jump scares, but, like, they have a purpose, and it's not, like, every single, like, like, it's not, like, like, horror movie that I usually watch <laughs> that she knows that I watch. Well, I'm like, it's something you could probably watch. Uh, so maybe if I can convince them to go see it, we can just go see call it. Just call it a thriller. Cause it, <laughs> it really is a thriller. That's, like, what inspired him. Like, when he programmed, he programmed, like, four movies at The Egyptian the week before this came out that, like, inspired him while he was writing this, and all of them were more, like, thrillers. And he said this, like, he missed, like, the throwback of, like, the, the, the 90s thrillers, you know? Oh! So this was his version it. of that. <laughs> the, the horror version of that. God, I'm so glad that everyone is just loving it. Yeah. I'm like, yes, you should. I mean, oh, it makes me happy because I we we all watched Upgrade just come and go. <laughs> I mean, like, I know. No. God, there was um, uh, there's a YouTube ser- channel that I follow uh that talks about good and bad VFX, and they had mm-hmm. Upgrade, and they had nothing but praise for Upgrade mm-hmm. and and its effects and. Like, apparently the way that they did the little camera, you know, movement yeah. wasn't, like, any kind of, like, a blur. It was, like, a iPhone or something attached to his chest yep. that got to track by the camera. And I was, like, it's <laughs> my guy. And I was, like, oh, thank God. Nothing but praise, because as it deserves. Um, so, just, oh. This just makes me really excited for whatever he wants to do next. I so know. Just, that that two-year just, deal with Blumhouse. Good for him. Chef's kiss, baby. Oh, he deserves it so much. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, and I, I'm so so happy for him. And I'm I'm excited to see what else, what other like all the other announced like Universal monster solo projects sound interesting. So like, yeah, I, maybe definitely. maybe they did. Maybe Blumhouse has got it right this time. 
you know? <laughs> maybe they, they gotta they, they go and to maybe I mean, Maybe Universal has it right by involving Blumhouse is what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, shall we... Do you want to wind down? Sure. Yeah. Would you like to go first? <laughs> so... <laughs> I, <laughs> this all started... I just wanted to rewatch the Daniel Craig Bond movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did. I And then they delayed it. <laughs> like... It's homophobia. It's li- literally an act of homophobia. <laughs> if I'm gonna die of the coronavirus, can I watch the last Bond movie first? <laughs> Please! Yeah, like, I just... God. I just been... I watched Spectre last night after watching all the... The Craig... Craig Bond movies. Um, yeah. You know, that's what I've been... And then, like, I've watched... What a, it turned into a spiral. Like, I watched, like, Logan Lucky and, like, this World <laughs> War One movie he was in that was, like, the first movie he made with Ben Wishaw. Like, they literally have known each other for, like, 20 years, and for some reason that makes me really emotional. <laughs> like, that's... Put Daniel Craig in Paddington 3, goddamn you people. Oh, my God. Go. We are... That, it just seems like the most natural thing in the world, doesn't it? Make him the Paddington 3 villain. He would Let's love go. it. Yeah. Let's do it. The, the <laughs> night we're recording this, he's hosting SNL, and I cannot wait. Oh my god. Yes. Um, I don't, have I been doing anything else? Oh, and I saw Emma, the new Emma movie. Oh yeah? It was delightful. I loved it. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> My I saw my my friend was like my only frame of reference was clueless for things. Like, <laughs> it definitely like it, it cuts down a lot and cuts to the chase a lot. I was like curious to know like um how if you didn't know the material kind of like same with Little Women. Not that this goes out of order or anything, but it just like you know mm-hmm. it's quick. You got to be quick. You only got the time of a movie, and I'm used to like yeah. the miniseries getting to adapt the book. Yeah. It was really good. That's all. What have what have you been up to? Um recently I feel like I watched I watched um They Shall Not Grow Old. Oh! That, uh, Speaking of World, World War One documentary yeah. uh by Peter Jackson. Um and the whole the whole film isn't colorized. It's only when they get like oh. it's all archival footage that was in like the so it was in a museum in Britain, like, for years and years and years. It was just sitting in some kind of a vault there. And so they were like, Peter Jackson's like, hey, I want to do this project. And they were like, yeah, go ahead. You can have <laughs> access to all this stuff. Um, like, just, he, they let him have free reign as long as he was respectful and did a, you know, didn't do anything terrible with it. And he didn't. He did a really good job, I think. Um, and so it's got, like, all the footage of before they go into the war and as they're getting into it and then in the trenches they turn it into color um and the narration that's going the entire time is like interviews from soldiers that used to that were in world war one that probably got interviewed sometime before they died and then they were just played over that instead of it being like a single narration um and then they had people of course that were like good at reading lip sync and they like recreated the noises and like the voices that could be possibly be seen and stuff like that and uh, there was one part where there wasn't any kind of uh footage that was filmed when they were like doing the attack on the trenches on the german soldiers uh but there had been illustrations that were drawn at the time uh that he was able to put in instead uh which kept true to his vision of just using archive uh footage and material for this film uh he did have to crop it though because most of the illustrations were propaganda material and they (laughs) made the germans look like cowards so he just was like cropping it um and just it was like i watched it with my family and i i thought it was really good i i enjoyed it so i'm like now that you finished this peter jackson where is my uh brain dead blu-ray let's go (laughs) is this um, streaming anywhere I got mine at the library, okay. uh, surprisingly. I didn't even know that it was at the library. I, go to your local library. It might be there. Um, Libraries are so, so cool. I, it's, it's, it was really cool. It was very interesting to watch because it's just like, my had, you know, my grandparents served, my gra- my grandpas served in World War uh, One, wow. uh, So that was, 
I was wild to see, um, and my, my grandma used, she served as, I'm not, I can't remember quite what she, what she did, but she was in World War, uh, one or two. She worked for, uh, the army at that point. She did something. I can't remember. I'm really bad at remembering what my ancestors did. Uh Um, but, um, they just, it was really interesting. It was definitely something I would say to watch if you just kind of want to get, you know, see the the footage and everything, yeah. life during that time. Um, and then after that, I got my eyes zapped by a laser. <laughs> so I haven't watched anything since. Um, I can't read. I can't watch anything. Um, even right now, I have sunglasses on uh, and I have limited screen time uh, to, like, so my eyes can heal up because the way that they do LASIK nowadays is they don't cut a flap in your cornea anymore. Instead, they just shoot your whole eye with a laser. And it has, it heals from the outside in. Uh, and so right now my vision is at its worst that it's going to be and probably tomorrow as well. But then it starts healing up correctly. And I have to take vitamin D pills. I have two types of little, uh, eye drop bottles. One is supposed to numb my eyes and one is like fake tears. And then I have a medicine bottle that I use three times a day as well. Uh, and then I get to have my contacts taken out on Tuesday that are supposed to help my healing. Uh, so I sleep in those, uh, for the next couple of days as well. Um, but I won't have to get contacts anymore. I won't have to use my glasses anymore. Um, so I don't have to worry about that. So it was a very generous uh, gift from my parents that I I had to pay half of it for, but it was completely worth it. Uh, so if you are debating if you want to get LASIK, you're going to hate your life for five days, but it's worth it. <laughs> I hope this was helpful to listeners. I know. <laughs> all I've done is listen to podcasts and made my little origami stars. That's all I can do. <laughs> Uh, so I'm just, like, waiting for the weekend to be over, which is a weird feeling for once. Listen to um, audiobooks or something. I've tried audiobooks. I hate audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, I, like, but I, I am catching on by my podcast, so that's, that's nice. equally as good. Uh, might take a walk if the world, if the weather's nice tomorrow or something, but we shall see. Uh, other than that, though, I started reading, um, this book called, uh, Haunted, which goes into different uh, mental health facilities that used to run in, like, 1950s Ooh. and stuff that have been abandoned since. Uh, and then the book after that I will be reading is called Flowers for Algernon, which oh, I hear is a banned book. So I'm like, yeah, let's read it, baby. Do I'm you know ready. what about? I read the book. I read the back of it, and I was like, oh, shit. Oh, hell yeah, let's go. Get fucking ready. <laughs> I was in a, a play version of it in college. <laughs> <laughs> it is very sad. Oh, have fun with that. Woo! I I read a little life, so oh, yeah. I don't think I can get any sadder yeah. than that. Literally sobbing at the end of that book, I was like, it was so sad. It was so good, and then I like tell everyone else to read it, so they'll be sad with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I'm ready to read it. I think I got it when I was at like some used bookstore or something i saw it and i was like i've always wanted to read this book i've never read it before let's do it um that's that's my philosophy if it's a banned book there's you should probably read it because people <laughs> people don't like you to have fun and you should definitely well, have a fun little life doesn't sound like fun no no a, li- a little life's not a banned book thankfully oh, okay. um but just like any kind of like banned book you know like uh like a shell silver sign book is mm. banned book you know <laughs> And Frank is a band book, um, you know, Flowers for Algernon, stuff like that, and I just think it's so funny. Uh, I think there's a few Roll Doll. Oh, Roll Doll! Fucking speaking of, yeah. Taiko Atiti is doing that series for Netflix of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, uh, imagining. So I'm like, how's this gonna go? <laughs> like, I'm interested because I like Taiko. I think he's a good director. So, uh, but this is gonna be interesting. Uh, as long as Netflix doesn't pull the plug after two seasons, like they do all their fucking shows, apparently. Well, how would you do multiple seasons of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? I have no idea. What are you they, about? <laughs> well, there's also the second book, the Charlie and the Glass okay, Elevator. Okay, so you do could... one season per book, and then you're done. Like what? There you go. <laughs> In this they could do some case. shit. 
They'll pull some bullshit out of their ass. I know. <laughs> well, then it would be bad. No, I'm asking, why do you want that to happen? No, I don't want that to happen. Okay. I don't want that to happen. I'm just interested in how they're going to do it. Well, he's going to and... adapt the book into episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm being a dick Hopefully... here. Sorry. I'm like burnt out <laughs> after Jojo Rabbit. I fucking hated that movie. Anyway. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I've been up since 6 a.m. and have no filter. That's what keeps happening when we record this No, on you're fine. <laughs> If it if it if it goes as well as the series of unfortunate events uh, adaption, yeah, then, yeah. you know what? I'm down for yeah. it. So that's probably gonna so. be their angle, you know, like oh, like this. So. One thing yeah, I forgot to yeah. mention is I saw Book of Mormon again and like yes! flashed all the way back to 2011. <laughs> it, <laughs> it still holds up. It's still just such a solid fucking show. If it's ever in your town, you know what to do. Yes. Fiddler on the Roof is supposed to be coming to my town in a week or two, and I'm like, I hope my vision is good so I can go see it, because I've never fucking seen it. (gasps) I have the movie from the library to watch as well, too, so I'm like, let's go. I want to do it. It's great. It's great. Another production that I have performed in. (laughs) Yes! Yeah. Musical time. Musicals. All right. Well, (laughs) we will see you all next week, hopefully, with our special guest yes Um, feel better xander uh and if you want to follow us we have all of our uh where we are in the show notes for you to see uh and thank you guys so much for listening we really appreciate it just if you got people that are interested in horror and also lgbt spread the word about us we love having more people uh listening to us and do you know if you got anything you want to recommend for us to cover or any movies you think we'd even just like to see just definitely let us know we would appreciate it and uh thanks again so much for listening we'll see you guys next week bye